0: This past Saturday night, a Tesla Model S crashed into a tree in a neighborhood north of Houston. Both men inside the car were killed. Fiery crash that left two men dead. The victims were in a Tesla that burned for four hours. It's the kind of everyday tragedy that happens all across the country. But there's something about this crash that's different. The car is still under investigation, but authorities say they are, quote, certain no one was driving the vehicle at the time of impact. One man was apparently in the front passenger seat, another in the rear. Now, investigators want to know whether Tesla's autopilot feature played a role in the crash. Tesla says autopilot is meant to assist drivers with things like braking and steering, and not to take over. But at least 23 other crashes have some link to the use of this Tesla technology, technology that Missy Cummings has been warning about for years. Do you remember where you were when you heard the news about this latest Tesla crash in Houston? I was hiking
1: on the Appalachia Trail, and, you know, you just kind of hit a peak, and then all of a sudden my phone
0: buzzed. Cummings is a professor at Duke. She runs the Human and Autonomy Lab there, studying how people interact with automated technology. And I looked down, and it was a friend of mine who reached out to tell me what had happened. Cummings knew that, given her public criticism of autopilot, Lots of people, including people like me, would try to reach her. So she turned her phone off and kept hiking.
1: I also kind of shook my head and was like, well, I told you so. And I hate to be one of those people, but I've really been telling people that this was going to happen for a long time. And so, you know, that's actually why I turned my phone off and kept hiking, because, you know, I've, I've spent my whole life trying to do good in this with this research. People don't listen and then people die.
0: Today on the show, why does this keep happening with Teslas? And should these cars even be on the road? I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next? TBD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick with us.
1: Apple card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA
0: Salt Lake City branch subject to credit approval terms apply You know I'm I'm curious why you study automation you have this completely fascinating career you were a, a navy pilot um, and now you're a professor what drew you to studying automation, particularly in these systems where safety is critical?
1: Well, it was my time as a fighter pilot in the military that made me want, almost need to get into doing research to try to make these systems better. When I flew F-18 Hornets for the U.S. Navy, the three years that I did this, on average, one person a month died that I knew. And it was always because the machine, which was highly automated, would outperform or confuse the pilot. And, you know, of course, the pilot always pays the price. And so I stood back and I said, I've got to start doing something to address this. And that's when I went back to school and got my PhD in basically human systems engineering so that I could potentially start tackling these problems.
0: A lot of the work Missy does now focuses on how people interact with artificial intelligence. Lately, that's included testing out Tesla's automated systems. Lots of companies are working on self-driving cars. Waymo, which seems to be leading the race. Cruise, Mobileye, and others. But it's Tesla that's often in the headlines, either because of the crashes, or because of its colorful CEO, Elon Musk. It's important to note that Tesla's cars aren't fully autonomous. The company has two systems. The first is called Autopilot, and it's supposed to assist drivers by steering, braking, and accelerating automatically. The second system, called full self-driving, was rolled out to some drivers in March and is still in beta. The company says full self-driving will be able to conduct short and long-distance trips with no action required by the person in the driver's seat. I think the terminology really matters here because I have to say, when I hear the word autopilot, like that, maybe I'm being too facile, but it makes me think like, oh, it drives itself. And you've been incredibly vocal in saying no to that. Well, sure, because I've had a real autopilot as a pilot, and
1: so I know (laughs) what an autopilot can do. And I do believe that words matter in this case. You know, I thought it was bad enough when Autopilot came out. Then when Tesla started selling full self-driving with the asterisk of it. Well, it's not actually full self-driving. You still have to be paying attention 100% all the time. You know, I, I did have to shake my head. I'm like, wow, there is clear false advertising going on, and you're pandering to a market who wants to desperately believe that they are just about to get this technology. And that's why I think oh. this has become so difficult, is because there are so many people who want this to be true, that they've basically fooled themselves into believing that it is true
0: we don't know what the men in Houston thought their car was capable of a local law enforcement officer said the men's wives heard them talking about autopilot before they got in the car but Tesla's CEO Elon Musk has said that the feature wasn't active at the time of the crash the crash in Houston we should note still under investigation um, Elon Musk has said that autopilot was not enabled, but it also appears that no one was in the driver's seat at the time, from what we've heard from law enforcement. Um, What does all this tell you, noting that, of course, we're dealing with preliminary data?
1: Well, one set of tests that we did on an actual highway was very enlightening, because what it showed us is that in 4% of trials— a tiny amount, and this is just a handful, less than 10 out of about 170 trials, the autopilot would just silently turn itself off. The autopilot would disengage and either not give a very obvious notification or give no oral alarm. And the visual indication that autopilot was on would just simply drop away. It would just no longer be on. Technically, yes, the visual indication that autopilot was on or off would go off. But if you weren't looking right at it, it would be very easy to miss. This is bad, right? This is what we call it causes mode confusion because drivers potentially think the car is an autopilot, but it has either silently turned itself off or nearly silently turned itself off. And drivers are unaware that the car is no longer driving itself, but they think it's driving themselves. So in the case of Houston, it is very possible and certainly indicative from our research that the two people in the car thought Autopilot was engaged. And indeed, Autopilot gave up, but they were wow. really aware of it. And of course, Elon Musk would be technically right in that case, right? When the crash happened, Autopilot was off.
0: There are about two dozen Tesla crashes where drivers may have been using the autopilot feature that are under investigation by a couple of different federal uh, agencies. What do you think the investigators are trying to unravel here?
1: Well, I think they're trying to unravel where is the balance between what automation can do and what it should be allowed to do in terms of consumer products. The, the number of cases where Teslas have underrun tractor trailers, where, you know, two people were effectively beheaded. Uh, there were another couple recently where the people survived, thankfully. But in both cases, it didn't look like the, the driver distraction was egregious, right? I mean, we clearly they were distracted, but they were in the seat, no cell phone involvement, So it's not clear what they were doing. They weren't distracted by their phones. They were distracted by something else.
0: Yeah, I was really struck by something in one of the National Transportation Safety Board. uh, The NTSB reports into a Tesla crash in 2018 in California. The report noted that the autopilot system didn't provide an effective means of monitoring the driver's level of engagement with the driving task. And then it goes on to talk about the timing of alerts and warnings, saying that they basically just weren't sufficient. It sounded to me, a layperson, like the NTSB was saying, hey, autopilot is not ready for prime time.
1: I agree with everything the NTSB said. I think that the issue of driver monitoring, uh, where the system is using torque On the steering wheel as a driver attention proxy is terrible Mm -hmm. right and this is what's happening in tesla so tesla in theory as long as you're providing a counter-rotating force on the wheel then it's telling you that the driver is paying attention but they're easy
2: to trick What is up guys so we're going to do a sleeping in the tesla video right now on tiktok
0: i was watching this video before i came in to talk to you on youtube that's labeled sleeping in my tesla.
2: We're doing the video where I'm going to sleep in the front and then I'm going to sleep in the back seat like I'm just going to pop.
0: And it's like right this here. young guy who literally gets in the back of his car while it appears that the car is driving itself on the highway. Um you've seen that, right?
1: Yeah, the mom is doing the filming, of putting yep. her son in, you know, um and they're clearly moving around the car. Can you off again? No, no,
2: it's fine. It's good. It's not even off right now. It's just saving the battery.
1: Isn't that crazy? I can't
2: believe you chose the car that much. Oh, well,
1: I'm a kid. Oh. You can learn on YouTube easily how to use an orange or a plastic bottle to, if you wedge it in the steering wheel in a particular way, it's enough to provide a counter-rotating force to make autopilot think that you're driving. So it's interesting to me when people want to argue whether or not the car can drive without somebody in the driver's seat. You know, this isn't guesswork. You don't need a researcher at a, you know, Preeminent institution, you just have to look at YouTube to tell you what the answer is.
0: When we come back, AI is supposed to help driverless cars see the road, but that's not really what happens.
2: but there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.
0: I want to get into the A.I. here a little bit because you wrote this paper that sort of blew my mind and helped me understand this a little bit. Um, you wrote that you could have, you know, a, a voice assistant, like an Alexa type thing, and and maybe it misunderstands an accent. And that's kind of funny and charming in that scenario. But then when you're using an AI in a scenario where safety is critical, there is no room for error. I wonder if you could walk me through a scenario. Um, you used the example of of road lines covered with snow and how the AI might perceive that. Can you explain that to me?
1: Right. So this is something I call the brittleness of artificial intelligence. How do we train what we call edge cases or corner cases where we might have, you know, um, potentially very bad things happen? For example, in Teslas and indeed in all cars with any kind of driver assist that relies on artificial intelligence, which are actually many on the market right now, you don't even have to have snow on the roadway. In the late afternoon, when the sun is low, this, this low sun angle can do really bad things to any artificial intelligence-enabled system. It can provide long shadows along the road, and often computer vision systems really struggle to understand that it's a shadow instead of an obstacle. And indeed, you'll hear this a lot from Tesla drivers about phantom braking. And you see it in other cars too, that the car apparently brakes and it's not clear why the car um, executed that maneuver. Your eye sees a clear road ahead, but the camera vision system and see some kind of shadow. And so this is something we actually saw in our own testing is that sun angle can dramatically affect how a vision system, quote unquote, sees the world. And if we can't get a vision system to reliably understand how to deal with shadows, how are we going to deal with snow? A, a Tesla cannot understand that a stop sign is a stop sign if it's got a half an inch of snow on it.
0: So a human can look at that and, you know, infer, oh, there's a stop sign. It's just got some snow or there are lines, but they're a little obscured by a shadow. And the AI just, what, doesn't have enough inputs to to be able, hasn't looked at enough sort of examples of lines or stop signs to be able to to process that? Like, w- will it ever be able to make that that causal jump?
1: So that is the, you know, million dollar question right there. I don't think so. I think that the way we're trying to solve these problems now, it's we're just not ever going to be able to get enough data for every single nuanced of a situation. We can do it. We understand that a stop sign with a half an inch of snow on it is the same as a stop sign with no snow on it because we have top-down reasoning. We have the ability to abstract relationships Computers don't do that. They do everything from what we call bottom up from the pixel layer, right? That's why a stop sign with two different levels of snow on it can look dramatically different because this is a pixel definition and there's no abstract reasoning. We are confusing basic pattern recognition with knowledge and these two things are not at all the same. Computers will, neural nets will not ever give us knowledge because they can only represent what they have seen before and seen before in very precise ways millions of times. Until we get over that hurdle, we're never going to have AI that can perform flawlessly to the degrees of reliability that we need in safety critical systems.
0: Well, then what do we do about the fact that, you know, not just Tesla, but lots of different companies are working on driverless technology. Indeed, Tesla is not the leader here. Like, where is it possible to use AI in terms of transportation that that is safe or that might make cars more safe?
1: Well, I am sorry <laughs> to be such a downer. I don't want to be a downer. I, I'm very pro-technology, <laughs> right? So I always feel like, If this is what you study. Right. I'm the wet blanket at the party of self-driving technology. You're not getting it. You're not getting it to the degrees that you think you are going to get it, and it's not going to give the freedom that you want to have. We might see some viable self-driving systems in terms of slow speed shuttles for people movement, places like Disney World, for example, or... Grocery delivery, last mile grocery delivery in a well-mapped, well-censored, um, much many more sensors in the environment and in the infrastructure um, can help solve some of these problems. But that's because of that, that scale is never going to get to the point where you can
0: just call a car on your phone and have it take you to Vegas. Missy argues that there are some uses of driver assistance technology that could be revolutionary. Automatic emergency braking, some features for people with disabilities, but those things don't grab headlines or attract investors and attention the way fully autonomous cars do. To bring this back to thinking about the crash in Houston, and I guess all of these cars, um, should they be on the road?
1: When it comes to
0: advanced driver assist
1: systems, uh, there is a balance between innovating and bringing new products to market, and and consumer demand. I think that we should allow advanced driver assist technologies, but the more advanced they get, the more we have to recognize that humans, our ability to maintain vigilance and attention is fragile. I do think that there is room to maneuver in terms of innovation. I would love to have more technology help keep me from crashing as opposed to taking over the driving task from me. So I think that there is a place for these technologies. I think that we need to move away from driver replacement to driver augmentation.
0: Missy Cummings, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Missy Cummings is a professor of electrical and computer engineering at Duke University. We reached out to Tesla for comment and did not hear back by recording time. And that is our show today. TBD is produced by Ethan Brooks and edited by Allison Benedict and Tori Bosch. Alicia Montgomery is the executive producer for Slate Podcasts. TBD is part of the larger What Next family, and it's also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University and New America. In the wake of the Derek Chauvin verdict, I want to recommend that you go back and listen to Monday's episode of What Next? It's a conversation about American policing that helped me understand the mindset of cops better than anything I've read or heard in months. All right, What Next? We'll be back on Monday. Have a good weekend. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. Thanks for listening.